What was it from? It was from The Dark Knight Rises. I was born in the dark. Well, I still don't know what that's from. You've Father. never seen uh, Batman Rises? Batman. Like, or the the Dark Knight, oh. the Dark Knight trilogy. Got it. Hey, no, have you seen it? This is an important question. <gasps> what? No, I haven't. No, 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 oh. I haven't. Actually, I don't know. I really don't. This know. This is like, uh, from my perspective, this is like as tragic as if you were to tell Mary Kate you haven't seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like this is hitting me equally as hard. Okay. The Batman trilogy is good, but to compare it to Lord of the Rings, Father. What? No. I mean. No. I don't know. No. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay, well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode. Yay. (laughs) Yay. Hi, everyone. So, apparently we need to have a movie night, question mark? After I'm done with Exodus, preferably. to watch. Well, yeah. 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 For sure. That's, that's, and, and. it would be warmer out, so we can come to Harbor Beach. Yes. Yes. Be amazing. Great. Done. We'll plan it for after Easter. So, well, welcome back. Missed ya. We're. I know. Missed ya. Mary Kate, why so do you look long. so upset? I'm not. Oh, you just look. I have my hand on my head. Does that mean that I'm upset? I oh, guess yeah. so. Mm. Okay. I think we've been spending too much time with each other. Yeah, for context, this is now the third episode that we are recording on the same so day. a little cranky. <laughs> well, maybe just a little bit. Not really. I'm not cranky. I've got... I had coffee, Kroger so I'm good to go. Morning. Yeah. We used to do three recordings at once in person. Yeah. Remember those long mm-hmm. nights? Getting together those to record. Those were amazing. Getting pizza. The pretzels. Pizza do you remember the pretzels? Oh, yes. With the, the pretzels. pretzels. Coming in clutch. That was fantastic. Loved it. I loved it. Anyways, well, we're here we are, back for another episode. And it's my topic, isn't it? I believe yes. so. Yes, it is. And I still haven't told you guys what it is. Well, I briefly did. Um, so we just spent time talking about Pope Benedict Sixteenth, the youth ministry, and now I want to talk about... Uh, the new year (laughs) since it'll be probably like a month or two past the new year before this comes out but i want to talk about it's still early enough in the year that there's still plenty of time to set like resolutions or goals for the year but i want to talk about how we set goals for ourselves and how those goals can help us also even engage in the mass particularly at the offertory and how what we offer to the lord uh, and um, because the, the mass, the holy sacrifice of the mass, isn't just for us to come and watch, but for us to actually participate in. And we make an offering during the offertory, right? We offer something to the Lord. And so, how can the new year and maybe setting goals and resolutions or things to grow in, how those can help engage us in the liturgy and the liturgical life of the church? So, um, so that's just that's the topic I wanted to touch on, kind of a broad, and we're kind of coming at it from two different ways, but I think they go hand in hand because um, it's so easy to just show up to Mass to watch when the Mass is a source of grace, and the Mass can help us grow in those virtues or in those goals that we're trying to reach um, when we present them to the Lord, right? When we present them to the to the altar to be transformed, right, and with His grace. So. Uh, wanted to throw that out there um as the topic 
for today. So, Father Kevin, are you doing nose goes because you don't want to go next or because you have a thought? I, well, nose goes means like I'm excluded because I, I, I like took your <laughs> topic and I kind of have another direction I want to take it. But I, I want you to start with like this flow of like liturgy and, and setting the goals because then I'm going to come in as the melancholic and offer like an alternative perspective on some of these things. So how about you guys talk about like the positive mm-hmm. aspects of it first, talk it up, and then I'll be kind of come in to kind of crash the party. So you should probably start <laughs> and crash the party in a good way, okay. in a good way. Don't worry. Sure. Yeah. No, we need different wow, thoughts of how depressing. we you know, come to different. <laughs> exactly. So, well, Mary Kate, I kind of, so on that case, we'll put Father Kevin on pause here until we <laughs> talk it up a little bit. Uh, Mary-Kate, do you have any initial thoughts um, on this, um, this topic? I feel like this is going to be really good because usually when I'm at Mass, one, it's very hard to actually pay attention to what's going on because of my children. Um, but they are a way for me to grow in virtue. Um, however, there is one uh particular set of people that I place on the off on the altar if you would um during the offertory and uh during the um the only the literally the only word in my head right now is during the transubstantiation and I'm like that is not the right term <laughs> that I am looking for right now during but the when um father the consecration thank you um during then I, I place all those who have fallen away from the church um, and, and just pray for their return, um, especially uh, during the elevation of the chalice. Um, I will pray the prayer from St. Faustina, um, you know, uh, O blood and water which gush forth from the... Uh, now I can't remember it, of course, but I say it every Sunday. Um, but basically... It's blood it's, and it's, water um, that gush forth from the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus as a fountain mercy for us, I trust in you. So I say that three times um, for the return of those who have left the faith, um, because I think it even says in the diary that if you say that for those who have left, they will come back. Um, mm. It's just a matter of time, essentially. Sure. Um, so my prayer during the offertory is normally for those those people, but I would love to to kind of expand that a little bit so mm-hmm. yeah Mo, what what are your uh what are your challenges for us sure so the reason why i was thinking about this is just I, i've been trying to be very intentional uh i think at the beginning of advent so usually advent and lent i give up something uh but then there's always something that I'm trying to work on interiorly, right? Uh, that I, whether it's a virtue or it's trying to get rid of a vice uh, or to overcome a vice, right? And I've been just really reflecting on uh, earlier in the fall, I offered a an adult faith formation study on a, the biblical walk through the mass, right? And, you know, I love the liturgy and, and truly the mass is a sacrifice, right? And, and it's not just the sacrifice mm-hmm of the bread and wine, right, of Jesus, right, becoming, the, the bread and wine becoming the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. It's not just that, but it's also a sacrifice of what we bring, right, to the Mass, right? As I said, we're not mm-hmm. called to just come to Mass to watch, but to actively participate. And truly the fountain of mercy and the fountain of grace 
that pours forth from the mass, right? From the entire mass. And, you know, the offertory, particularly, I, I, it's that time where we can often check out of mass. Like it's that almost that intermission break during mass where people are like, oh, well, this doesn't pertain to me. You know, the collection baskets are being passed. Like somebody's bringing forth the bread and the wine and that's fine. We'll pick it up when uh, the, the priest says, you know, pray brothers and sisters that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to the Lord, our almighty father. Is that, I think it's close. Those are the close words, right? And so, you know, it, and, and in fact that the offertory is something uh, it's actually a very pivotal point of the mass, right? Because when we bring forth bread and wine, those we can go into the true meaning of bread and wine, right? And we can go deeply into what they mean, but it's a representation of what we bring, right? The fruit of the earth and the fruit of the vine and the work of human hands, right? And that's the prayer that when the priest gets to the altar, is, you know, um, blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we've received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It'll become our spiritual, or it'll become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we've received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become for us our spiritual drink. And so this sense of offering to God something, right? So yes, we offer him the money that we receive. We offer him prayers and petitions, but how often do we offer him something that we're really trying to work on in our lives, right? Interiorly, right? I think oftentimes we're so naturally inclined to pray for other people and that's good, right? That's part of the body of Christ. We're called to intercede for other people. That's part of the priestly office that we're baptized into, but we can't forget about the our own interior life and how the Lord also wants to work on us. And so I've been reflecting, as I mentioned, the beginning of Advent, I started to reflect on, you know, what's, what's even one thing that I could work on this week, right, to overcome? And I've been trying to be intentional about during the offering, I may have a specific person that I'm praying for, right, that I may be offering this Mass for, uh, but then I'm also being mindful of, like, Lord, I place X, Y, and Z, whatever I'm trying to work on, whether it's a vice that I'm trying to overcome or whether it's a virtue I'm trying to grow in, like, I place this on your altar, right? And I think... Uh, you know, when we put it in terms of even New Year's resolutions, right? Like those are also things, especially if there is something that, a virtue that you want to grow in, right? That, to place on the Lord's altar, right? To be transformed for his will, because it's not just being transformed for our will, but it's being transformed for the will of God, right? And so I think that there's a there's this connection between things that we want to achieve in our lives and actively participating and offering it to the Lord, uh, during the greatest sacrifice, right? And so, mm-hmm. I've been just reflecting on that, you know, like, Lord, what is it that, because I have a couple of resolutions, right, for this year that I've been working on, but how can the Mass, and actively participating in the Mass, give me the grace to help grow in those areas, right? So, that's kind of where I was thinking, you know, we're starting this new year, it's a good time for us to be more active and participating in the greatest sacrifice, the greatest event that we could participate in here on earth, right? Uh, and allowing those graces to really transform us. So, Father, you look like you're thinking. I'm just wondering if I can bring in my melancholic uh, perspective here. Sure. Because okay. then we can have a farther discussion. <laughs> yeah. So, the way that I see it as I'm kind of like mapping this out in my head, the way the conversation is unfolding, it's kind of like we're talking about spiritual goals and when you're talking about engaging more fully in the liturgy i see that as like the solution 
as if there's some sort of challenge or problem that needs a solution, right? So you're talking about it helps if you're able to then like come to mass and uh, and like offer your heart, offer your will, offer it all to the Lord in the context of the mass. But what I'm more intrigued by is like if we were to back up, rewind a little bit, let's talk a little bit more about like the problem or the challenge of when you have that goal or desire for growing in the spiritual life, but then you face those uh, areas of discouragement or um, like what, what are the blocks that would prevent you from um, desiring to grow or from putting forth the effort with God's grace to grow. Um, so that's what I wanted to t- kind of talk about momentarily, which then would lead to um, now, how is it that engaging more fully in the liturgy helps with that? So I think from my own perspective and just in the tradition of the church um, of talking about the spiritual life, oftentimes the things that would prevent us from desiring to grow in our relationship with the Lord or just our spiritual life, it can go by a lot of different terms and they're all unique. They're all different, but they're related. So you have despair, which is the opposite of the virtue of hope. So despair is um, kind of this, downcast. Um, if, if, if hope is keeping us focused on the things of eternal life and our, our hope is set in heaven and that's going to get us through these challenging times, the despair takes our eyes off of heaven, takes our eyes off of eternity and uh, and, and leads to that, that place of sadness. You have achadia, which is a, a deadly sin or a, a deadly mindset that also is it kind of has this realm of discouraging us from wanting to move forward in the spiritual life. But then I just wanted to speak a little bit about the concept of spiritual desolation, which comes up in St. Ignatius of Loyola's writings on the discernment of spirits. And it's been popularized and very well taught by um, a priest named Father Timothy Gallagher. But in particular, with the 14 rules that St. Ignatius of Loyola writes, these are He calls them rules of the spiritual life. It's basically just like observations of what is it that every human being experiences in the spiritual life, the ups and downs, the highs and lows. And he kind of just like writes it all out. He identifies what happens and then he gives a sort of battle plan for how is it that understanding these dynamics that can be at work in our soul, how is it that we engage with it? So in rule four, he talks about this experience that each of us have experienced called um, spiritual desolation. And I'll just describe for you what words he uses, what, what words he uses to describe what it's like when our soul is in a state of spiritual desolation. And uh, just think about it for your own self if you've uh, experienced something like this before. So he says, I call desolation... Uh, That which is a darkness of the soul, a disturbance in it, a movement to low and earthly things, disquiet from various temptations and agitations, moving towards a lack of confidence, without hope, without love, finding oneself totally slothful, tepid, sad, and as if separated from one's creator and Lord. Okay, so that's the experience of spiritual desolation, and it comes to all of us uh, in various degrees and for various spans of time, but that's just a state of the soul that we can't, we don't necessarily have control of. Sometimes it's just there. God allows that to take place for a number of reasons, but we can experience that tepidness, that slothfulness, that I don't want to pray the rosary. I don't want to set out with all these spiritual goals that I had originally had. I'm, I'm drawn down to these low and earthly things. So that's an experience we can often have. 
but then when St. Ignatius speaks in Rule 6 about what do you do when you're in that place of spiritual desolation, this is precisely how it fits into your topic, Emma, because he says when you're in that place, this, these are his words, um, it's advantageous to change ourselves, so not necessarily the plans that we had spiritually, but to change ourselves intensely against the desolation by insisting more upon prayer, meditation, upon much examination, and upon extending ourselves in some suitable way of doing penance. And so when, when you're experiencing that spiritual desolation where perhaps you, when you were feeling maybe spiritually consoled and encouraged in the spiritual life and you do have those desires to grow in your relationship, then all of a sudden kind of the clouds come in and all of a sudden you're drawn to the low and earthly things and you're discouraged from continuing on that goal. St. Ignatius is saying, like, insist all the more. Resist that by going against that draw that's within you that would go against it and instead insist more upon prayer, insist more upon um, asking the Lord for grace for help. And then this is what you're getting into, Emma, is even when you come to the Mass, like seek to become more fully engaged in the Mass and, and offering yourself and in this state of poverty that you're in, offer it in union with the sacrifice that the priest is offering and just trust that spiritual desolation is something which is temporary, so this will not last forever. It feels like it's going to last forever, but just like the clouds we have here in Michigan eventually go away and we see that the sunlight was there the whole time, um, so too the Lord's, uh, the feelings of consolation and just the encouragement to continue moving forward will come back. So I just wanted to offer that for anyone who's feeling discouraged, who may have set those goals in the past and then have just gotten discouraged or frustrated. They felt that sense of despair or desolation. Um, these are just ways of putting into words that experience that we all go through so that you're better equipped to um, resist those uh, that desolation and instead to extend yourself more fully in prayer, for instance, when it comes to the context of the Mass. So that's what I wanted to focus on. No, I, I, and I appreciate that because, and just to throw out there, I've been reflecting on this personally, that idleness, which can often come in times of desolation, can more than likely lead to more confusion, which then leads to more desolation, right? Um, that as hard as it is in those seasons of desolation, to keep making steps forward um, and to keep doing something in the spiritual life, even when we don't feel like it, because then it helps to dispel senses of confusion. Because the more that we're idle, right, the more that we're disengaged from prayer or uh, just not seeking the Lord, that the Satan, that Satan in the in the, the evil minions will use that as time to confuse us even more, right? And but that's something that's a great thing to fight against in a time of desolation, because when you're in desolation, the last thing you want to do is go to prayer, right? Um, when you, it's when it's hard to feel the presence of the Lord, so um, just wanted to throw that. That's what I was thinking of as you were sharing that, Father. Yeah, because in the spiritual life, there's no such thing as being like neutral or an autopilot. Like Saint Ignatius would argue that we are either progressing or we're regressing, and maybe we don't always necessarily feel as if we're progressing. Maybe we actually are progressing, but it doesn't. Um, feel like it, but but there is no autopilot mode. And I was even having a conversation with a friend recently about just living in the world and just how the spirit of this world, which it's it's a fallen world, it was created good, but it's now fallen. Um, the world that we live 
in the, the world that's around us is also not neutral. Like if we simply allow ourselves to go with what's going on in the world around us, like it's going to be detrimental for us. So we have to be proactive. We have to be kind of like on our guard and be active in terms of resisting um, certain aspects of the spirit of the world around us and, and seek to grow in virtue and holiness. So I think all of this, what I'm trying to get at and what I think you're trying to get at when you're talking about engaging more in the mass is that we have to do something with the grace of God, but we have to engage our wills and actively resist in those moments where we feel drawn downwards or we don't feel like pursuing the goal or we don't feel like being super virtuous and holy based on our circumstances around us. Like those are the moments where we have to engage with the will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mary Kate, did you have any thoughts? I, I, honestly, Father, when you were talking, it reminded me of St. Mother Teresa um, mm. and how she went through something similar called the dark night of the soul for 40 years. But even though she couldn't feel the presence of Christ in her life, she still fought and she still did what she was called to do in serving the poor and how that can be such a good example to us when we are experiencing that that spiritual desolation um, is to look to those saints who we know had a hard time with this and still fought through and um, went went through enough that they were able to go home to their eternal reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe um, one last thing to maybe tie it then back into the conversation about um, the liturgy. This is actually, um, I feel like I always come on here and just recycle old homilies, but I, I preached last weekend about this idea of oftentimes we come to the Mass and our attitude is, all right, what am I going to get out of this? And we do objectively get something out of every Mass. But if you hear someone talk about um, why they don't go to Mass anymore, it, they'll probably say, like, well, I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of it. And the way that I would challenge that mindset is, well, when you come to Mass, what are you giving? Because you are getting something, but what are you giving? Are you here to give God praise and worship and glory and honor? Are you here to give Him your life, uh, your heart, your will? Um, we can't come into the Mass with this consumeristic mindset of, I'm here to get something, like I'm, I'm here to be entertained and inspired. It's like we need to have that approach of, I'm here to give. Um, and so I think that goes back, Emma, to your earlier point about how it is that we we, we don't just sit back and watch the liturgy unfold, but there has to be this active participation on our part as well. Mm-hmm. Right, because I mean, ultimately, the the mass isn't about us, right? You know, worshiping God isn't about us; it's about God. That's why it's worshiping God, uh, and it's it's not worshiping ourselves. And and I think that that's where, like you said, Father, like we bring our entire lives. Like, are we? willing to give him our entire lives to be transformed on on the altar right and to be uh, fed by not only the bo- the body blood soul and divinity of jesus in the eucharist but also by the word of god too right i mean uh, the word of god is living and true it's sharper than a two-edged sword right i mean so the the word of god can speak to us and that's why we reverence the gospels like we do right it, it, because jesus's life is that powerful and he comes to transform us but we have to be willing to put something into it, right? And so uh, we have to be willing to, to put, yes, the good parts of our life, but also those areas where we're struggling, right? To, to offer those areas where if we do feel desolation, right? Or maybe you did set a goal for yourself and it's not going well. Well, 
that that could be something to give to the Lord, saying, well, Lord, I give this to you, I surrender it to you, uh, that if I succeed in it, I succeed in it by your grace, but if not, then it's according to your will that that wasn't, it's not the right time or the, it wasn't the right goal for me kind of thing. Uh, and it's, yes, we can get discouraged because we're human nature, but uh, we shouldn't let the discouragement lead us to idleness. Rather, we should let it lead, the discouragement lead us to a deeper participation in, in a, a great source of grace to help us journey through it. Right. I love everything that you guys are saying too, because I feel like as a parent, I also have to show my kids how to do this at the mass um, and not just be so um, like, sit down, stand up, Mary Trance, stop it. <laughs> like, you know, obviously there's going to be a little bit of like, okay, child, you need to calm down so I can pay attention. But um, I also, Jason and I are showing them how to behave in the mass and how to give ourselves um, to our Lord in the mass. Um, like I can, I can very clearly remember as a kid watching my mom during the consecration and seeing what she did and then going and doing the same exact thing because, well, if mom's doing it, then that's what you should be doing. Um, and so, you know, for example, what she would do is she would bow and she would um, uh, hit her chest three times during the consecration. And so I was like, ooh, okay. So I asked her about it and she said, well, I'm saying my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do that because mom's doing that. So that must be what you should be doing. And to this day, I still do that. Um, and so it's interesting how we are the example for these people who are young in the faith, not just little kids, but even reverts or converts. Um, they look to us to show them how to, uh, to act. And so we need to remember that when we go to Mass is... Um, we are kind of like the older the older siblings or the parents who are showing them, hey, you're supposed to give yourself to Christ in this moment um, and give your lives, give your thoughts, give your struggles over to him. Um, and that's how they learn. Um, that's how we learn because we're still learning as well. Um, and so that's kind of what I was thinking when you guys were talking about um, you know, what, what are you doing when you are at the mass, when you're present there? Yeah, it makes me think too about, um, <clears throat> I, I work with couples sometimes for marriage prep. And uh, so when we're talking about marriage and just what are the married couples in your life that inspire you? And it's usually, you know, the ones who have made it for 60 years, those beautiful witnesses of uh, fidelity. And you know that they had to work at it in order to get to those 60 years and just how that's such a beautiful, shining example for us. And I know even for myself as a priest, when I see a priest who has been ordained for like 50 years or so, and it's like, man, like you had to weather some storms to get here. You know, you had to choose each and every day to be a priest to get to this point. And I think what it does is it, those witnesses of fidelity, they help give us a reminder that, so God is love, God is infinite, therefore love is infinite. And so love has this infinite capacity to grow. And so in those moments in our relationship with the Lord or with the spouse where we feel like there's no more 
love possible to grow or there's there's no way we can grow any more than we have right now it's a reminder to us that no god is love love is therefore infinite um and that that can kind of break through in those moments where we feel like this is as good as it's going to get or because it's, it's isn't it just so beautiful when you can hear a married couple say like we're more in love now than we were on our wedding day and that took the will mm-hmm. right that was not something that just passively happens over time like that takes that engaging of the will in order to make that work and i think the parallel then is in the spiritual life as well like we have that capacity to grow infinitely and it will continue to in a sense grow when we're in heaven um so we can't fall into the despair like this is as good as it gets we have to continuously um, engage our will with this hope that it can actually get better right i mean it takes effort right it just says everything else, whether it's your professional life or your personal life, to achieve any kind of goal, right? And obviously, then to achieve love uh, takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of self-gift and a lot of offering, right? A lot of giving out, uh, but also a receptivity too, right? Like we always, we also have to be receptive to not only what other people want to give us because they want to love. But also, what does the Lord want to give us? Because he is love uh, and he wants to give that to us, right? Uh, To help transform our lives. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and love, God is love. God gives himself to us in the Eucharist. So by receiving the Eucharist, we are like receiving love itself to help us to grow. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. might as well just go straight to the source, right? Can't beat it. Right, exactly. And, And I think that's what makes it... I mean, the Eucharist is is the source in summit, right? There's nothing that gets better than receiving the Eucharist. But when we can approach the throne of grace, um, having actively participated and offered something, how much more does that mean to our hearts and to our souls than to receive Jesus, right? Um, that that we, we, we could say, like, look, Lord, <laughs> we're a broken sinner. We mess up, right? I was actually just thinking about that this morning you know, before mass, like, wow, Jesus, I, I suck, right? Like (laughs) I'm a broken sinner. Like, and yet you still call us to the banquet of the lamb, right? Like you still call us to this great wedding feast, this wedding banquet to receive you, right? When we're clear, like we're not worthy to do that. Right. Uh, and, and yet I know that my offering as messy as it might be, right. My, my my simple offering i may come some days to to the liturgy to the mass and just say i jesus this is all i can give you today right and he says well that's okay and he still transforms it right and and he's still working it for his good um and it's usually at those moments right it's when i when i offer something right to the mass right when i put something into it when i offer jesus something receiving him means that much more Right. Like it, it means that much more. And that's for me personally. I don't know. It could be different for everyone else. But I know that when I show up and I'm not just this bystander just to watch what's unfolding. But when I offer something, even if it's something very small, uh, there's there's a greater grace it, for me, I feel, in my heart than when I receive our Lord. So I completely even in those times of absolute dissolution. Yeah. Sorry, go and ahead. I, like, like I was saying, no, you're good. Um, I completely can relate to that because 
there are times when, uh, you know, like, heck, a couple weeks ago, like, there were a few Sundays in a row where Max just would completely lose it once we got to, like, the great amen. And I would have to go out into the back with him, and I'm not hearing anything because all I'm hearing is screaming. Um, and what hit me um, w- when that was going on, um, and kind of since then, has been um, I'm showing up. I'm still there. And Jesus recognizes that, and he, he loves that. Um, because he loves me and he loves that I'm giving that example to my kids. Um, and it always kind of strikes me when I go to receive the Eucharist, cause usually I'm holding a kid in my arms. What is my child seeing when I'm receiving, um, our Lord in the Eucharist? And what is our Lord seeing as he is being given to me when I'm standing there holding my child and I'm receiving him? Um, because our Lord is seeing two of his creations that are there to worship and praise him. And I'm sure there's so much more that can be said about that. And then my child, whoever I'm holding at the time, is getting this witness of how to love Jesus as imperfect as it might be. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. I, um, maybe just the last thing I would say is that so on the one hand, as a priest offering the mass, like I'm, I'm offering, I'm obviously offering myself in the offering of the mass. Um, so just like all the things that you ladies are saying, like I do that as a priest, but at the same time, one of the other blessings of being able to be a priest is that if I, I don't always, I'm not always conscious of this, but sometimes when I look out into the pews and I see all the people and I see all the things that they're carrying and all of the things that they're experiencing and what it is that I feel they're probably offering at this mass. Like it, it's just such a blessing as a priest to look out and see all of those things and realize as I'm offering this mass, I'm not only offering myself, but everything else that all these people in this church have brought with them. And so that's, that's just a, from a priest perspective, like another beautiful way to look at the mass. And Father, I was literally going to ask you that question. What is it like for you as a priest, right? To know that you are not, you're offering yourself, yes, but you are also offering on behalf of everyone else too. So you read my mind. Yeah. And it, and it definitely helps like the better you get to know your congregation. So maybe early on that wasn't necessarily at the forefront of my mind, but now that I'm in people's lives and I'm experiencing more of what it is that they go through, the more meaningful it can be. And you know, for funerals as well, and just knowing these families and just the sadness that they're experiencing. And um, yeah, that's why it's all the more important for a priest to uh, get out there and get to know his people so that the offering that's made at Mass is all the more um, meaningful in a, in a certain sense. Obviously, objectively, like whatever, meaningful, it's because it's the sacrifice of Jesus. But like on a subjective level, like to understand what's taking place, um, you can gain a deeper appreciation for it if you know the people and uh, can offer what it is that they're experiencing in the Mass. So, mm-hmm. Right, which is beautiful. Maybe sometime we'll do an episode more on like the the theology of the priesthood and, and what does that look like to then... Um, for that kind of offering so i just thought that thought of that so maybe we could do that sometime for people that uh, maybe are not entirely sure of 
why why we offer why we as people right as those in the in the pews offer something right as well as the priest offering himself you know what is why is this so important um which i mean would mean that father kevin would probably lead that episode yeah i mean we i I think back in season one we had the episode ppk where we talked about priest prophet and cain and i think we like fire hydrant just blasted through a bunch of stuff about priesthood in that episode so we we talked about it there but maybe we could yeah take more of a expanded amount of time and and really walk through um some of the other aspects of priesthood both the my me as a ordained priest and then like the priesthood of the faithful as well and how Mm -hmm. they come together in the mass right right cool mary kate did you have anything else you wanted to add nope okay well, I thought this was a, a good just starter, especially in the midst of a new year. Uh, for those who maybe, maybe you did set kind of New Year's resolutions, or maybe you have a long-standing goal, right, that you wanted to achieve, and maybe you're finding yourself, as Father Kevin said, in like a period of desolation and not knowing kind of where to go or what to do. Um, but to re- just as a reminder that one of the greatest places to go to and to offer whatever it is that's maybe struggling with or even something that's going well is the sacrifice of the mass you know that's the the greatest place to take it and especially during the offertory uh to not to not just watch right but to truly say you know what lord i'm you know hey i'm in a period of desolation right i don't even know maybe you're struggling to even know if he exists and then you just say lord i just i give this to you right like i offer this to you and um or maybe it's something that's going well right you know, we pray for people right we're called to pray for people but uh to also be mindful of like our interior life and allowing the Lord to shed his grace on that. Uh, and the offertory is a beautiful part of the liturgy that, I, like I said at the beginning, I think it kind of gets overlooked as this intermission when really it's a very powerful moment of us being able to offer a gift right to the Lord. Because even our desolations, our struggles are still a gift to the Lord because they're a gift from the Lord to us, right? That everything is a gift. And so, he wants to transform it. So just wanted to get your guys' feedback on that topic because something that I've been reflecting on a lot too, um, especially, yeah, with the light of the study that we did and then hearing more people continue to talk about how that has impacted how they participate in the Mass as well. So, cool. Well, it is now time for our One Joys. Once again, I can lead the charge. Okay, Um, go for it. So I mentioned in a previous episode doing the Exodus 90 program, and it's still early on, but one of the blessings has been um, just the fraternity I've been able to experience with my parishioners. So I'm doing this with um, five other guys from the parish, and um, the guys have really stepped up and just initiated inviting me over for, um, you know, game night and pizza, right? Because... You know, the first time that I did this, I was living with a priest who was doing Exodus 90 as well. But now, you know, sometimes I come home to an empty rectory and it's like, well, I can't watch TV or YouTube or, you know, any of these other things. It's like, what am I going to do? So they have really stepped up and said, hey, like, come on over, be a part of our family, um, be a part of what we do. So it's been a beautiful way to get to know uh, my parishioners and just grow in that fraternity. That's been a, a huge blessing and a great joy recently. I'll go. Okay. Um, so depending on when this episode comes out, Mary Trez will be very shortly or will have already turned three. 
So um, that is my one joy is that my little girl is now practically three years old, which is just kind of crazy to me. That time went so fast. <laughs> so yes, Mary Tres's birthday is coming up. And on to think when 20th. we started, whoa, when we started recording, you still were saying I have three kids, two and under or under two, three kids under two. Yeah. And now you're saying three kids, two and under. Yeah. And now That's it's going to be three kids, three and under. It's not as impressive as right. three kids under two. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, I, I, I was going to say that, but. <laughs> but yes, so right, Mary well, Tres, Mary Tres is turning three. birthday to Mary Tres. Yes. Great. Uh, I mean, my birthday's in February, but I am not turning three. So that's not my one joy, though. <laughs> my one joy actually is, uh, is just Eucharistic adoration. Uh, I love being in Eucharistic adoration to just be with our Lord. And I often find myself, you know, if I sign up for an, a holy hour someplace, whether it's at the chapel at St. James in, in Bay City or other places, uh, you know, an hour goes by pretty quick. Um, and some, most of the time, there's some days where I'm struggling to stay awake and I'm, Jesus, I'm so sorry, I can't stay awake. Uh, but there are other times where I wish I could just stay, stay there all night. Right. And just to be with him. And so uh, I'm just, I'm very grateful for Eucharistic adoration and our Lord just wanting to love us, right. And to just pour out his grace and his mercy upon us. And the fact that he gives us the Eucharist that we can sit there and gaze upon him is just, it's a beautiful gift. So that for me is my one joy. So Cool. Well, thank you for tuning in for another episode. Uh, Father will... No, we had Father... I threw you under the bus to pray last time, unexpectedly, unless you want to pray again. I can share the love. Who else wants to? Or we can make Mary-Kate do it. Okay, I will. Mary... Okay. <laughs> Are we ready? <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Holy Spirit. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for bringing us together today to record... We thank you for the gift of yourself in the Eucharist. We ask that you give us the strength and the courage to fight for you and fight for our relationships with you each and every day, especially during the times that it is hard to do so. We ask that you help us to be aware when we go to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass that we are in your presence and that it we should be giving ourselves to you as a gift in our lives and our struggles we should give it all to you and we just ask that you bless us and bless our listeners um, in in their day-to-day lives and uh, we ask that your holy mother wrap everyone that listens to this podcast in her mantle as we pray hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen great well thanks friends it's good to see you too good to see you too even even yeah even uh very via very via technology indubitably it's good yeah all right well until next time listeners know that we're praying for you and please pray for us bye